Are the devil and exorcisms real? Who is at risk of being possessed? And how can we differentiate between mental illness and demonic possession? Perhaps my guest today, former exorcist of the Diocese of Peoria and author of Demons, Deliverance, and Discernment, Separating Fact from Fiction about the Spirit World, Father Mike Driscoll can help answer these questions and others. So, Father, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate your willingness to do this. Ah, thanks for having me, Paul. Of course, the pleasure's all mine. So, I've met people who have been surprised to learn that exorcists even still exist. They thought it was a position held only in the early days of the church when we had these primitive superstitions. But maybe you can tell us how prevalent exactly are exorcists and uh, are, are demonic possessions still happening? If you want to talk uh, first about that position of exorcist. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like a lot of the church rituals, they became more uh, formalized after the invention of the printing press. You know, we don't think about that sometimes, but yeah, oh, now we can print these things in mass quantities. So um, sometime after that is when a number of the rituals were printed, including the rite of exorcism. And it's the version that was used right up until uh, 1999, call that the 1614 version. I don't know that any exorcist used the newer one that came out after that. Bottom line being, exorcism goes all the way back to the beginning and then, you know, developed a little bit. Sometime in the Middle Ages, and this is where sometimes people might hear somewhat accurate stories about um, too many exorcisms being done, you know, when someone's not really possessed, too much of a belief in, you know, any problem being a, a demonic direct possession of the devil. Like epileptic uh, seizures being a product of the devil? Yeah, I'm, I find that one interesting. I, I, epilepsy, I think, has been known for a long, long time. I think even the Greeks, if I'm right, even the Greek you know, physicians had figured that out, that this is a problem. Um, they would have had the problem, same problem we look at, we're going to look at today. How do you tell the difference sometimes? But um, I would say more maybe bizarre behavior, that kind of thing. And maybe in some places... Uh, um, like that, physical conditions. Um, but sometime in the Middle Ages is when the church started, to, and certainly by that 1614, the church said, you know what, priests no longer have the authority to just go do an exorcism. From now on, you need your bishops um, to authorize you, to give you permission to do an exorcism. I see. Um, so that's where it stands now. Now a bishop can do that, and this has to do with, uh, like you, you said, former exorcist. I'm not sure exactly quite what my status is at the moment because um, a bishop can either appoint an exorcist to hold that position, like he can appoint, uh, like I've got a, two jobs in the diocese, as a lot of priests do, you know, two parishes or whatever. I've got one parish. I'm pastor of St. Mary's in Utica. I am chaplain at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Ottawa. And Bishop Jenke appointed me exorcist for the Diocese of Peoria. Okay. And then a lot of the diocesan appointments um, kind of lapse or something. I don't, I'm not, bring on a canon lawyer sometime to explain mm -hmm. that one more. But you kind of wait for the bishop to reappoint you to that diocesan position or not, you know. So that's where I'm kind of, he may, we had a conversation, he may decide he wants me, he may decide he wants someone else, he may decide, no, I don't think I want, want an exorcist at this time, in which case, uh, if an if a actual case of possession were to come up, well, then he could appoint anyone just for that case. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's all up to the, the uh, diocesan bishop. If he wants to have an exorcist to handle all of them, or if he says, no, I'm just going to wait for a case, case-by-case case basis, and appoint an exorcism, exorcist. Understood. Yeah. Okay, so I, I so, was under the impression that exorcists all had to undergo a, a training, official training. Is that not the case? You said that the bishop can't appoint a random priest 
to, in an emergency, perform an exorcism. Am I understanding that right? Uh, uh, two, two things of what you just said. Um, correct. There is no, there is no training for, uh, um, there are things you can go to, um, uh, the, uh, some, there's one in the Vatican, but that's misunderstood a little bit. It takes place there, but it's not officially sponsored by the Holy See. Um, I think it's a religious order there that does some training there. A priest could go there. So I could have while I was, and still waiting, you know, maybe to hear from Bishop Tilka, but uh, could have arranged to go to that. Um, and there are a couple of kind of workshop type things in the United States too, and probably other countries. So, um, but no, the bishop, it is, it is just an appointment that word just, take that out, please. It is an appointment, just like I did not have uh, any further training than being a priest of the diocese to be appointed pastor at St. Mary's Utica or to be appointed hospital chaplain. Now, Bishop may want you to go to further education for this or that, including um, one of these exorcism kind of workshop type things. But no, it's not at all necessary. He gives an appointment just like any other appointment for a priest of the diocese. Understood. And then you said the word emergency. That's interesting because um, in one of my conversations with an exorcist, I said, what if I see something unnatural, you know, this, you know, really wild, should I do the exorcism right there? He was very adamant. Um, he said, no, don't let the devil control that. He said, no such thing as an emergency exorcism. You know, do, do the other things, you know, sprinkle holy water, um, you know, pray the rosary there, pray the St. Michael prayer, but don't, don't let the devil force you to say, I'm going to do it now. So do your consulting. So before, I've never, we'll get to that, I'm sure, I've never seen anything outside the laws of nature. So um, I've never seen anything I thought was a case of full possession. If I did, I would certainly be calling the bishop and say, Bishop, here's, here's what I saw. Uh, what would you like? How would you like to handle that? Um, I would call a couple, one or two of these other exorcists who I've known for some years to get their insight too. Here's what I saw. What do you think? Very so you definitely want to consult. So I, I always remember that. It was neat to hear you say that word emergency because I asked the same thing. And uh, exorcists told me no such thing as an emergency exorcism. Like we think an emergency baptism, you know. He said, "No, don't don't let the devil set the timetable. You, you, you know, be prepared, and then, then then arrange and have the exorcism. Do the exorcism." Wow. Okay. There's so many places we could go. My yeah. head's almost yeah. spinning, and we're gonna get to all of them. You know what? We got an hour here, <laughs> so let's start with this. A bit of a fundamental question. It might come off even silly, but there's this isn't a Catholic podcast, although I am a practicing Catholic, and of course, and we got the crucifix right behind me, and I just had you bless the place. Yeah. There's a lot of people that don't believe, and then, of course, a lot of Protestants that watch the show. Is the devil real? Is the devil real? Is Satan real? You can never say for, I think, you can never say everyone who calls themselves a Christian would say yes to that because there are going to be exceptions, but pretty much if you're Christian, I don't know how you wouldn't answer that question, no. You know, any Christian, you're looking at the Gospels, if you believe the Gospels are gospel truth, you'd say yes. You know, of course, the devil is real. You know, fallen angels, um, headed by the strongest of the fallen angels, Lucifer. So, that's just part of Christianity. Uh I mean, Jesus, you know, doing the exorcism, driving out the devil, acts of the apostles, uh, you know, it's all there. So, yeah, you'd have to throw out so much... uh, of the Bible and especially of the New Testament to say, no, it's just, uh, what's the, what was the modern thing? Uh, you know, to say, well, it's, it's evil and it's just a kind of a personification of evil. No, it's a person and lots of little, per- you know, right. you've got the, you've got the leader of the, the demons and all the other ones, however many there are. 
So there's like a hierarchy in hell then. That's one of those fascinating questions. You know, it's, it's great. I just, I was on retreat and uh, read through St. Thomas Aquinas sections on the angels and devils. And that's a fascinating thing to do. Is try and understand as much of St. Thomas Aquinas as you can. He's very straightforward, but he, he assumes um, more knowledge of philosophy than I have. So, um, uh, so yeah, exactly how that works, you know, because there seems to be a hierarchy of angels in heaven. Even that's, I think, a little bit of an open question within the Catholic faith. Um, but it uh, seems maybe the same thing in hell. But it's, it seems pretty certain that there is a leader of, of the angels, you know, Lucifer, Beelzebub, whichever name we want to call him, Satan. Yeah. Okay, why do you say that second one? What's that all about? So there's three names? Lucifer comes from what uh, uh, the book of the prophet Isaiah, how you have fallen. I think the more modern translations so, say, oh, morning star. It's funny, Lucifer sounds such an evil name because we're used to hearing it evil, but light, you know. Uh, light bearer, right? Yeah. So, but, that, but we're used to hearing it, you know, that he was uh, after, you know, th- th- that he's the leader. So that Jesus said Beelzebul a couple times, um, which I think was the name of a false god in the region at the time, but also Jesus seemed to label the devil with that as well. And then uh, Jesus also said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. So Satan, meaning the enemy. There's some, tra- I don't know what I should know that, what the meaning of Beelzebul is. Is that is that Lord of the Flies? Might be. <laughs> One thing I kind of want to preface before we move on is, you're a very intelligent man. I, I've learned this from my research and from what other people have said. And you I, have... I know. I have to... Certain topics I know well. Lots <laughs> right. of topics I don't know well. Well, sure. But it's apparent that one, you know, psychology is one that you know fairly well. And theology, of course, naturally, you're you're a priest. And the, those are the two... Yeah. So, I, you know, yes. Master's degree in theology from the seminary and then went on as a priest and ended up uh, with a PhD in counseling. So, I you know, psychology more than most would just because of that degree and because for 10 years now I've been chaplain of a hospital with a mental health unit. So most days of the week, I'm talking to people with the whole range of mental health struggles and emotional struggles. Interesting. Yeah. You know, because you said that, how about we, we talk about that a little bit? There is a lot of people, there are a lot of people that believe that the side effects of mental illness or what appears to be mental illness could exclusively be or in part be the symptoms of demonic infestation. What do you say to that? You do work in a in a hospital with a mental health ward, and from what you told me, you are in that ward somewhat often. Do you think that some of what might be demonic infestation or demonic oppression or perhaps even possession could be being perceived as mental illness, maybe wrongly? Um, yeah, the... Um I'll answer that in a long way. Absolutely. Uh, we got all the time uh, in the world. Uh, the, the, my dis, the way I got into the whole field kind of more than most priests as far as possession and exorcism came out of the uh, when I'd gone back to school to, for counseling. And uh, as I was going for the PhD, I had this idea after talking to an exorcist about something. I thought, wow, that would be an interesting dissertation um, to do. How do Catholic exorcists distinguish between demon possession and mental disorders? And uh, one of the instructors who was an evangelical Christian, I had that idea and I said, here's my idea. I wonder if you'd be, you know, head of my dissertation committee on this topic. And I told him that line, how do Catholic exorcists distinguish between demon possession and mental disorders? And his eyes got wide and he said, I want to hear about that. So that's how I did that dissertation. Um, So a number of things I'll mention maybe are from that. Um, I interviewed three exorcists and um, you, oh, yeah, so one of them, when I asked him 
um, this is a priest who had been an exorcist for probably at that time, maybe going on 20 years. I think he'd done, and he, his name is out there. So he had, um, he talks to a lot of people. And over that time, though, of all the many, literally thousands of people he'd at least had a conversation with who thought they were possessed, um, he'd only done like four or five exorcisms. Very, very cautious when it comes to thinking someone is fully possessed. This isn't Father Ripperger? It is not. Okay. Um, He said, uh, um, I said, how many of those, you know, say four or five, uh, would you say had mental health problems or emotional problems? And he said, oh, all of them. Without missing a beat. I, oh, really? He said, "Oh, yeah, they they had some mental health struggles there, but that those two. So the lesson for me was, and a significant part of my dissertation, those two are not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. So that opens up that whole thing. We, it's, we're not trying to make a decision. Now, wait a minute. Is it demon position or is it mental disorder? Because it can't be. Nope. We're saying how much? How do we help this person? And, we, oh, they've got some mental or emotional struggles. Well, how can we help them? Oh, they might have some physical thing going on, too. Wow, I, you know, we need to see a doctor maybe and see what's going on there. Oh, there's something else that seems to be going on, too. I don't know if you want to talk. You mentioned obsession, infestation. Do you want to talk about those different words? You want to, or Well, sure, if you wouldn't mind, yeah. Um, Throwing out some definitions would be wonderful. Well, I just kind of made them up. Yeah, no, those, those words are out there. Um, so if you look in the catechism, we know it talks about temptation. So we know temptation is there from the beginning of the Bible. It's interesting. Um, what, how did the devil affect Adam and Eve? He didn't, he didn't possess them. <laughs> Just that subtle temptation. Go ahead. Go ahead and eat that. You'll like it. So that's, we know that's uh, scriptural and, and in, in church teaching in the catechism. Uh, I'll put that one end of the spectrum, let's say, temptation. Not that it's the least dangerous. I would say it's the least dramatic. Certainly dangerous. A temptation led to original sin and all these sins that we commit when we're tempted by the devil. Then the other end of the spectrum, I would say, would be possession, the most dramatic um, and the rarest um, and... Um, and, bo- and that's also mentioned in the catechism. That's uh, possession exorcism is mentioned in the catechism under the section on sacramentals. Um, because ex- as we know, exorcism is not a, a sacrament. You know, it's not one of the seven sacraments. So it's just a line or two in the section on sacramentals. Then as a church, we know there's something, some things in between there, but we, there's no definition and no official word. And that can cause a little confusion because some... Um, some will, uh, even some priests, I think, will say, well, clear case of obsession, clear case of oppression. We'll just make sure we define those because um, the church doesn't. John, St. John Vianney, patron saint of parish priests, uh, was basically beat up by the devil. The devil couldn't succeed in tempting him at all. So got physical and would literally throw him around and things like that. Um, so we know that kind of thing is out there. I'm trying to think uh, some of this, a couple of the saints have even thought they were having some vision that turned out to be some. St. Padre Pio, yeah, thought he was oh, talking to Mary. His, and then it was the devil, yeah. So, so we know there's that exterior, which sometimes we can use, it's a handy word as long as we talk about it and say this isn't church, official church teaching, but to say those outside attacks like the St. John Vianney, we can call that oppression, you know, something, the devil oppressing you, beating up you from the outside, beating up from the outside. Maybe that interior thing, like you just mentioned, Padre Pio, I, I get St. Teresa of Avila or Catherine of Siena, I think one of those. Um, we could call that if we want um, obsession, uh, obsession, meaning, you know, kind of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, so does the devil have access to your thoughts? Um, 
I hear this is complicated. No, no, not really. No, he cannot. Only God, uh, straight answer is no. Only God reads the hearts and minds. The devil cannot read your thoughts um, or my thoughts, anyone's. Um, he can put ideas in our head, which sounds spooky until um, you drive down the street with the radio on and you're seeing all this advertising and you're hearing all this advertising like, oh, all kinds of people can put thoughts in my head. He just does it in a more subtle way. Um, but I can ignore them if I'm doing the right things, prayer, sacraments you know, avoiding occasions of sin. So um, he can put thoughts in our head. Is that kind of like they just little thoughts kind of bubble up in our head and then like he can do that much, but he can't make us think. It's not mind control, but it's advertising. That's how I look at it. Uh, Again, talk to someone who's a more Thomistic scholar. He'll talk about um, the imagination and which aspects of the thought process the devil is working on. It's really fascinating, but I'm not the one to try to explain it. Um, But he he would be... St. Thomas would be here for an hour explaining the ins and outs of the thought process, and uh, so you'll have to have him on yeah. and <laughs> and um, telling you about where it is in that that the devil is working. It's fascinating. I just don't know it well enough. Um, so, yeah, so the devil can do that, but he, he cannot, when we say, uh, first of all, he, that he cannot read minds. Okay, having said that... Um, we know that there's all, you know, when someone says something to us, if it's, we can be looking at their face, we can hear their, int- you know, the, the tone of voice, and we can get a little bit more about their thoughts than just what they said. You can make inferences based on all sorts of subtle cues. Yes. And the more we know the person, the more, you know, you get a husband and wife might know from all kinds of little things, almost becomes like an instinct, like what's wrong? You know, he didn't say do anything, but just the slightest thing, just some, uh, the devil is probably better at that. At least the, when I say the devil, I kind of use that interchangeably, maybe shouldn't. Lucifer is very intelligent. Um, Other devils can be less so. Um, Ah, so devil is not just exclusively reserved for Lucifer. Just, again, careful. Uh, I should be careful on how... I say the devil, usually meaning Lucifer, but, you know, we can call all the others devils or demons. I think those are pretty interchangeable. Mm. Um, But often when we say... For example, if we say, well, the devil possessed someone, we don't necessarily mean it was Lucifer. If we say they're possessed by the devil, well, we might mean any one of the... any devil. So can Satan, Lucifer... Exclusively, can he possess someone, and then also can demons, you know, the other fallen angels lower on the hierarchy, I guess, can they also possess people? And does Satan himself ever do it? Some exorcists will say that, yes, that they've run into Lucifer. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, I, so, I'm sh- I, it definitely seems like he could. Um, but also definitely seems like it's not always the case. I mean, when Jesus was driving out demons, it doesn't seem like he was driving out Lucifer. It was a legion, it doesn't, right? It, it, that's the most, dis- that's the most uh, descriptive exorcism Jesus did. Usually he's just, it says Jesus drove out demons. He just says the word and they go. That one was interesting. It gives more detail. So yeah, the legion. And even there, what well, was legion the name of one? Because they said legion, there are so many of us. So which you have to, I guess you have to deal with too. The devil lies and twists words and whatever. Didn't matter. Jesus out with you, you know. 
Dave's Supermarket in Fairbury is my favorite grocery store, not just in Central Illinois, but in the world. And for good reason. They have the most incredible customer service, friendly carryout workers, an exquisite and affordable bakery where fresh baked goods are prepared daily, and a deli market that is truly top-notch, that provides plenty of seating, delicious food, and even free coffee, if you can believe that. And their canned meats are out of this world. This is all just the tip of the iceberg, though, so if you haven't been here, you are really missing out. Come check out Dave's Supermarket in Fairbury, Illinois, where they've been wowing the customer for 72 years. If you wanted one more thing about when we said that kind of range of things from um, temptation, that kind of gray area of obsession, oppression in the middle, and then possession at the end, the most dramatic and that. And and so, uh, well, two things. One, so we have a ritual for possession. We don't have rituals for the others. It would be great if we had some ability to say, hey, I'm going to do the ritual and you'll never be tempted by the devil again. But we know that's not realistic. Same thing with those other couple of areas. So it's a little part of my book was being careful to... uh, the church doesn't have a ritual of deliverance. So sometimes you'll hear, oh, well, deliverance prayers, and you need to do a deliverance prayer, an unbinding prayer, or this or that. Well, those aren't, there's no official church ritual for those things. Not that they're bad, it's just priests need to be careful in saying those things. Um, it's the equivalent of saying, um, hey, say a prayer of thanksgiving. Well, that's good advice, but if I said, well, here's a really powerful prayer of thanksgiving. What? what, what, what? Mm-hmm. It's, a prayer, it's a prayer of giving God thanks. That's a good thing. It's not like one is going to be more powerful. Same thing with any kind of quote-unquote deliverance prayer or unbinding or whatever. The only things that, as a church, you would say are more powerful are official church rituals. You know, so the rite of exorcism, or when I blessed your house, it wasn't just Mike Driscoll coming over, sprinkling holy water, saying prayers, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. What I did was more powerful, not because of me, but I'm an ordained priest following a church ritual. Oh, so in some way the whole church was there, so it was more powerful than, than me as an individual right. uh, who was not a priest and not following a ritual. I've heard it likened to, you know, so, if, if, we're in, if I'm wearing a police costume, I try to arrest you, there's no, I'm not arresting you because I don't have the authority, but if a real police officer's outside... I've used that analogy too, although not, hey. the, not the costume part, but just yeah. John Doe saying, um, you were speeding, yeah, so what? As opposed to officer so-and-so, you were speeding. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Now you're yeah, going to jail. Exactly. Because so of the authority, the authority given to him. Exactly. He's representing the state. The the priest uh, who's been appointed is representing the church. And then, um, oh, and uh, you used the word at some point here a few minutes ago, infestation. Um, what is the saint? Not saint. What's that you're reading there? This this is from the ritual. Yeah. Um, the the rite of exorcism, and. Um, Yes, so it does call. Okay, I had to look at the Latin again. Pope Leo the Third. I, I mentioned how the ritual came from 1614, and then in the late 1800s, um, mid to late 1800s, I don't know the date. I should know that. Uh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth added uh, another section, Exorcismus in Satanum et Angelus Apostaticos. Exorcism of Satan and the fallen angels. You're like, well, that just sounds like exorcism, but it's very clear what he did was add a section for a place. So sometimes, sometimes we call that an infestation. I guess, lack for lack of a better word, he just said to drive out the devil. But it's clear from the words of it, and from uh, instead of sprinkling holy water on a person, you sprinkle the holy water on a pla- around the place. So it's like a blessing of a place, only. Um, more powerful, we would say. Um, 
and that gets into that area. So sometimes we call it in English infestation. I don't know how it would, what others would call it in other languages, but I've not seen that either. Um, but the bishop also, because it's part of the exorcism ritual, he authorizes that. And um, typically, I think that would be if you do see, quote-unquote, haunted house things. If, you, if I were to see something unnatural happening in a place, um, uh, I would ask the bishop, hey, I think I should do this. Um, and, you know, if I have that or, or if someone else has that appointment of exorcist, hey, you know what? I saw this stuff happening in this place. I heard things and saw things, and that shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. It's a weird, weird area because if it seems to follow a person around, we might say, oh, that's kind of obsession. In other words, once I talked to a woman I had visited in prison and kept in touch a little bit afterwards, and she told me that for you know, a lot of bad stuff had happened to her. But throughout her life, oh, this kind of figure that seemed to be around and I would talk to it and it didn't necessarily like it but it was always there for me and I've lived several places where people say this place got haunted after you came there are noises and sounds and stuff say for the sake of discussion that really happens um, we'd say that's some kind of attachment of the devil to her to her in particular we might call that a, a, you know a, if we want to use the word um, obs- uh, oppression, something from the outside. It's like this tormenting of the person. Yeah, on the on the exterior, like causing troubles around her. And you'd probably want her to be doing more prayer, uh, sacraments, things like that. Because um, there was no evidence that she was possessed, at least not at ever, not that I saw when I visited her or, or that she ever claimed even. It was just things around her. But... So th- that's one thing, but it's a little bit different thing if it seems the devil is attached to the place, you, you know. So can that? So that can happen. It can atta- yeah. the devil, and that means it could be demons or Satan, but uh, right. evil forces from hell could. Yeah, pers- yeah, evil individual or or group, but yeah, devils, demons uh, can do that. Um, so um, yeah, so there's the ritual for that. In which case, it means like, wow, one person after another who's been to this place is having the trouble. You see the difference? It's not following around one person to other different places. It seems to be attached. The devil seems to be attached to this place. Um, so you can do that ritual. There's a little, uh, we mentioned the Gerasen demoniac um, from the Gospels. There's an interesting line in there. Oh, gosh, that's uh, fascinating, the, the details in that. Um, pleaded hard, uh, he pleaded hard for Jesus not to drive him from that place. It's like, what does he care for what place he goes to? Who knows? He was somehow attached to that area, place, whatever different translations would mm. say. Um, oh, by the way, if I can, do you mind me jumping around? Fascinating part of that story, too, is one of the gospel writers says that um, the people came after Jesus had driven out the legion um, into these pigs and they ran off into the off the cliff. The man was sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And I love that. Oh, th- right there it is. He was possessed and he apparently had some mental health struggles. Why? By implication, why else would the gospel say, and in his right mind, if he was already in his right mind? Sounds like it was both. Certainly he was possessed. Jesus drove out the devils. But it also sounds pretty clear. Wow, he had he had mental health struggle too that Jesus cured because then now he's in his right mind. I love that part of it. No, that's very important. Yeah. And yeah. gosh darn. Okay, I want to... I want to ask about mental health struggles again and ask, you know, if you're so bold as to say, could perhaps all mental health struggles be a, uh, and I, w- I personally wouldn't say that, but what do I know? You know, are all mental health struggles uh, in some way a product of evil? 
I won't ask that yet, though. I want to ask first, what is the point of all this, of demonic oppression, obsession, and possession? What's the devil trying to do? Is he trying to make you do bad things in the world? Or I should say Satan and the devils. Are they trying to make you do bad things in the world? Are they trying to get you to die? Are they trying to get you to die in a state of mortal sin so that you to occupy hell so they're not quite so lonely? What's the point of all this? Certainly the big picture to get, you know, people's souls to hell, that's always the big picture for the devil. The, Thomas St. Thomas Aquinas would say his first sin had to be pride in some way. Second one would be envy. Okay, if I'm, I'm not any longer in heaven, I don't want these creatures to be either. Um, so the big picture would always be uh, get people to hell. <laughs> if that's the grand strategy, I think they might use that in military. The tactic... You'll get different answers to that, I think. I absolutely believe, in addition to whatever kind of weird pleasure, it's kind of weird to say, because there's a devil, does he, is he happy then? He's never happy, so it's hard to say even what that even means, what kind of pleasure he gets um, in tormenting people, why he wants to do it. Distraction. I think it is hugely, he's distracting. You know, we could talk, as you could talk to any uh, Catholic about what is going on in our society, and there's there's the there's the real evil, you know. There, not that possession isn't, but just to try to distract, you know. And doing this other uh, one one exorcist said that yeah, when you do an exorcism, it's not unusual to have lights flicker or objects move or whatever. He said he called it cheap parlor tricks. He said mm-hmm. it's a distraction. Well, I think the whole possession thing and this dramatic thing is distraction. I mean, look. You know, the, the conversation could, as you could take a whole other. Um, oh, please feel free direction. to jump we'll around. Just, That's let, the beauty of the podcast. <laughs> I mean, look, look, we've got a. I want to word things, you know, politely because you know whoever's listening. But look what is being pushed in in grade schools to to, to children. What there's trying to be pushed. So if I'm the devil, I want that happening. And if I can distract by possessing a person, oh, good. Here I am. Here I am over here possessing one person. You've got a ritual to drive me out and we can take care of that. Never mind what you're seeing there, which is affecting whole schools full and trying to shove down a whole country of hundreds of millions of people. Never mind that. Look at this one person I've possessed. Wow, isn't this wild? In my mind, it is just distraction. The dramatic things of the devil, I think, just distraction from the widespread attack on the faith. And if if I sound like conspiracy theorists, I'm the exact opposite. I feel like all this stuff is right in our face. Uh (laughs) Plus, you're a trained skeptic. Yeah, that's an interesting... Exorcists told me exorcists need to be trained as skeptics. Mm. Um, not that you don't believe this person is possessed, but I don't know. I, I need to see evidence. I'm, I'm not going right. to jump to that. I'm not going to believe he's not possessed. I, let's get the whole picture here, you know, before we jump to a conclusion. Sure. But yeah, that I just feel like everything in our society is right shoved in our face. The, the, the evil is, is the evil things we can look at the attacks on the... You know, look at Genesis. Um, yeah, the devil attempted Eve, but um, since then he's just gone on from there. Um, God, God created the heavens and the earth. What, oh, you can't teach that in a, in a public school. God, you can't teach that. Oh, he created male and female. Oh, 
can't teach that anymore, that there's male and female. Uh, be, fruitful, be fruitful and multiply. Whoa, you can't go saying that that, you know, contraception is wrong. Wow, just right down the line of what <laughs> God did at the beginning. And, and all of that is banned from, from, uh, from all of most of our children, you know, all the children going to public schools. My dad was a public school teacher, so it's not just bashing public schools. That's my dad's career. Anyway, wow. Yeah, wow. No, so, so the, ex, the possession exorcism in my mind, oh, it's real and horrible for the person, um, but the big picture, I think he's distracting, trying to distract, get, get as many people as he can to pay attention to that, whether he's succeeding. I, I, so if the demons are in hell and they're given their quarterly reports for all the evil that they've done in the world, they're not necessarily bragging about how many individuals they possess, you don't think, but look at the society that we're turning away from God, maybe. If that was my goal, wouldn't you? you right. Know, someone called once and, uh, about uh, uh, the, the, at night, the blankets be pulled off the bed and it's not me doing it. And um, during the daytime, sometimes I'll feel brushing against me and, and I, I don't see anything. Uh, I think it's a devil. I said, well, I, I don't know. I, you know, it was a phone call. You can't get as much as in a person-to-person conversation. You ask things about mental health and that. At the end, you just say, really? You know what? The other, and this was true. The other priest who I lived with uh, at the time was, uh, had just gotten a dog. I said, a six-month-old dachshund can pull the blankets off, which he does, and brush up against me, which he does. And here's Lucifer. Um, I will be like God, Satan. And that's all he's got. If that's all he's got, then don't worry about him. And I wasn't mocking the person at all. I was saying, okay, presume for now the devil does. Ignore it the best you can. And then you go through. What's your spiritual life like? Say your prayers. Any moral things you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing? Okay, let's talk about that. And you can get those things out of your life and it can have some effect. But as far as these little, again, just cheap tricks, uh, 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 carnival, what, what that what the exorcist told me, um, parlor tricks, mm-hmm. ignore those the best you can. If that's the best he's got, uh, a six-month-old dog can do that. He's trying to distract and, and worry you and pay less attention. The less attention you pay, the better. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do people... What should we avoid if we don't want to be possessed, which is the vast majority of us? How do people wind up in these terrible positions where maybe something attaches themselves or attaches itself, something evil to the person, maybe to the home? I've heard of things like Ouija boards, occult activity, pornography, um, drugs, even all sorts of things. But you tell me, how, yeah. what's, how, what's the gateway for the devil to enter your life? The tractor cab is the mission control of the entire farming operation. Worn out and outdated tractor cabs lead to annoying discomfort, hindered productivity, dangerous sound levels, and lower resale value. This is why you need to revive your tractor cab with Fair Cab Interiors. Today, we use our vast facility in the cornfields of Illinois to manufacture high-quality custom tractor upholstery for over 750 models from the 1960s all the way through to the 2010s. Our team of product engineers carefully design each new part, emphasizing product fit and ease of installation for anyone to install. We offer acoustical foam panels, pro-form plastic panels, headliners, floor mats, door and window seals, seats, and much more. Our trusted team of cab interior experts finish all the sewing, laminating, contouring, and thermoforming in-house for fast, easy, and proper installation. We carefully monitor lamination quality, use premium grade foam, and utilize the highest standards of raw materials when manufacturing. We strive to make our products outlast the original interior lifespan. With our massive inventory and delivery trucks that pick up daily, logistics are a snap, giving you a head start on your fresh cab feel. Additionally, 
here at FairCab, we have phenomenal customer service. Our call center is manned not by robot answering machines, but real, experienced, and knowledgeable people who will provide you with installation tips, product details, and help with any questions you may have before or after the sale. But don't just take our word for all this. See what people are saying on FairCab.com and Google Reviews, where we've earned over 2,000 five-star reviews. When the time comes to fix up your aging tractor interior, try out the cab interior experts at FairCab. Visit us at FairCab.com or give us a call at 815-692-3355. What's the gateway for the devil to enter your life? You'll get some difference of opinion on that too. Uh, Certainly some things are things to avoid um, sins against the first commandment as far as, you know, Ouija boards, tarot cards, anything that's say, giving some power to something, a spiritual power to something other than God and his angels and saints, you're misplacing that power and trust and faith in something else. Yeah, that's, that's not a good thing. You know, how many of those people who do that, of the millions and millions in the world who are doing that end up possessed? Practically none. You know what I mean? It's not, it, lots of people are doing lots of those things, and most of them don't end up possessed, I presume, because the devil thinks, well, why do that dramatic thing that may backfire, might instill more faith or something, yeah. when I can just keep messing with them in subtle ways? Right. They're um, already distracted, like yeah, you're saying, apparently. Yeah. 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 Hey, this is working. Why? <laughs> so, um, but... Uh, we don't know why the devil possesses a certain person, um, but that's one category of things. Another category that just breaks your heart, but it seems to be um, victims of terrible trauma and abuse seem to be a little bit more prone. I remember asking the actress, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. God has sympathy. Oh, of course, God has sympathy for that. But it seems it, just the emotional damage, maybe the... Um, Maybe the fear, getting stuck in fear, getting stuck in anger, getting stuck on those things might be a little bit of an opening. And then a third category, I'm remembering this from one exorcist, kind of giving these three categories. A third one would be patterns of sin. I said, well, we're all sinners. Well, he said, well, yeah, which is we shouldn't sin. You know, don't take it lightly. But in other words, he then went on to say kind of embracing mortal sins. Um, so, uh, what did you you named a few things? Uh, pornography, uh, whatever you know, any kind of mortal sin. If we uh, cruelty, you know, those embracing those seems to be maybe an opening too. But then, and he, I think he had a line that said. Uh, um, no one wakes up in the morning possessed. You know how we're supposed to be building a relationship with God? Well, it's a person building a relationship with evil. But some exorcists would say, eh, sometimes it just seems to happen and we don't know why. And I would say you almost have to be open to that possibility. Maybe that's an even smaller possibility. Um, remember the one time Jesus drove out uh, the demon, the, the man who he said his son was possessed, uh, and the devil would throw him into, into the fire, into the water, and almost killed him. Jesus says, how long has this been going since he was a child? Hmm, what was, what was that about? How did this uh-huh. child get possessed? We don't know how old, but it did say it's been happening since he was a child. So we don't have a roadmap to the other side. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly obvious. It's not observable or quantifiable. You can't you can't figure it out by the mere scientific method that we have. You know? Right. We we obvious obvious things don't do that. That's not good for your soul. And you know so again, any kinds of sin, uh, whatever building relationship with evil. Yeah, you start to be a Satan worshiper. Um, probably not a good idea. Um, probably does make you more likely to be possessed. But because it's 
a rare thing. Um, so how much of it is some laws of the other side that we don't know? And how much of it is just the devil just randomly messing with people? Uh, we don't know. Hmm. Can you sell your soul to the devil? I've actually heard people say they're scared because they start wondering that and then they start thinking it in their head and they're like, oh, crap. Well, first of all, if if Satan can't hear your thoughts or read your mind or anything or make you think certain things, that might not be uh, even a concern if you're thinking that in your head. But, you know, some people think, you know, I'm saying in my heads the words that sound like a transaction of my soul to the devil and I can't help but think that. Uh, is it possible to sell your soul? Or is that not yours to sell? I I, I would never word it that way. I think because that's got uh, you know has the connotation of a uh, uh, first concert I saw was Charlie Daniels Band out at Glen Oak Park in Peoria uh, during the Devil Went Down to Georgia yeah, tour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was in high school, so it has that kind of connotation. Um, and um, a person can always uh, go to you know go to confession even if uh, even. Uh, Certainly, I think a person can try to make a deal with the devil. You know, if you do this for me, um, will, you, uh, will you give me this power in return? Take me to hell. Um, that would be a dangerous thing to do. And uh, my impression is that from Satan, Satanists sometimes do that kind of thing, and it can work sometimes. Um, you know, to their obviously the detriment of their soul. But keeping in mind, a person can always at least theoretically repent. I mean, if a person builds up such a habit that they don't repent, you know, that's a horrible thing. But we, from God's side, he's always willing to forgive that. So there's no no uh, selling your soul that you can't get it back. That's why I think that's not a good, uh, you know, uh, accurate theological phrase for it. You know, I should mention, because I, I might have uh, not been clear, you said if he can't read our thoughts, um, true. But um, you know how we can pray uh, in our thoughts, you know, lifting, you know, for the classic definition of prayer, lifting the heart and mind to God. We can do that aloud or just in our thoughts. Um, and even to angels and saints, um, the belief being, you know how I said the devil can put ideas in our head? The belief being that if we will to pray to lift our heart and mind to God or to speak to an angel or saint that just by the, they can't read our minds either, but if we will, if I will to talk to the Blessed Virgin Mary or a saint. If you pick up the phone and call them, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, we believe, um, then I think we would believe also a person could do that with the devil in their thoughts. They could right. do it out loud or just even in their thoughts. But there's, that's a, that's a fascinating thing though, isn't it? That, you know, the angels and saints, they don't read my mind, but if I will to... <laughs> Pick up the phone, and if I will to to speak to them, oh well, now I willed it, and now they can hear it. Sure. And same thing, I, I think, is what we would say about the devil, because devil didn't lose all his power; he still has all the natural power. The de- all of the demons still have whatever natural power they had. Um, what they don't have is uh, God's further revelation that He gave to the good angels. Um, the, the The fallen angels don't have any further revelation. Um, fascinating one priest was saying and uh, I listened to it in, uh, in an interview with him he said uh, the, the devil is full of doubt you know what is God planning what is he doing why is he waiting those kind of things that the devil even the devil doesn't know God's overall plan mm-hmm. it's reassuring you know he doesn't God's got the plan the devil doesn't know it so he's just trying to cause as much damage as he can till the end why does God allow Satan to exist? Was it maybe a necessary thing that would, according to God's law, you know, if you have the full end, 
the full right side of the spectrum that goes to absolute goodness, perfection, unity, harmony. And then you would naturally have a far other end of the spectrum where it's no, absolute chaos scattering. Uh, we definitely don't want, don't believe that. We definitely don't believe that the devils did not, ha- the, the good, the angels that were all created good. None of them had to rebel. Adam and Eve did not have to disobey. They're just, the world did not have to be this way. Um, oh, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So God created um, a world. He opened up the possibility when he created um, angels and human beings in his image, beings with the ability to, um, with free will, the ability to choose good and evil, to the ability to choose to love him or not. So I'm God could have created a world with all inanimate objects and uh, hey, then no evil. And then but he, love can't exist. So, you know. Yeah. So that's way above us. Well, so why did you create beings with free will? That's way above us. Can I but, take a stab at yeah. this? And you just tell me if, I, if yeah. I'm sounding like an idiot here. I've always thought, I always call it I don't it want the, to be the final <laughs> judge sure. on theology, on you know those difficult theological questions. Yeah, but a little more on me will take a stab <laughs> at it. Um, I've always called it the law of love. And this is just kind of makes sense in my own head when I think about it, but it's like the law of love seems to be one of those laws that governs both heaven and the world. And the law of love is basically that in order for love to truly be, one must have the ability to reject loving another and to accept love, I guess. So you can't, just like I can't force my girlfriend to love me, or other, if I did force her, it would cease to be love. She has to be have the ability to choose to love me or to not love me. And in order to do that, she would absolutely need free will. And with God, you know, even at the beginning, I, I if I understand correctly, he gave Adam and Eve before they had committed sin, they still had free will. And therefore, they could love God and apparently not love God. But either way, a prerequisite for love in the truest sense, which is all God is ultimately, would be for one to have free will. And in having free will, you also have the ability to choose terrible things and to listen to uh, the devil and to do things contrary to God's will. And apparently, love even extends into heaven because the angels had free will. Um, certainly what you said about love. I was just trying to be clear that um, God did not have to create the world as it, he did not have to create the world at all. He did not have to create a world with beings with free will. But, um, you know, we we say kind of as a a slang term, well, God can do anything. Um, We need to, that's not quite true, really. He can't sin. He can't do anything that's a weakness or contrary to goodness. And he also can't, so he can't be weak. And he also doesn't do contradictions. Make a rock so heavy that he can't lift it. (laughs) Actually, that, true, he cannot do that because, yes. God cannot make a rock. So why? Well, because uh, that would be an Aquinas thing too. Well, because uh-huh. the spiritual power is stronger than the physical. So God's going to be able to move any physical object. That's that's funny, but yeah, that's actually a very simple answer. Oh no, yeah, that's true. God cannot make such a rock because God is too powerful. Uh-huh. You know, he can't make himself weak. And, and Father yeah, Mike, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Can you pull this microphone oh, over just sorry. so you're talking right I'm into right. it? That's Gosh. what I want. Pull it. Um, pull it over this way, like. Uh, there we go. Okay. Now, now you're comfortable. But am I just right going to keep moving like some weird? I don't know. Do I have no, some weird good. habit of you moving seem to away? Be standing right in that position. But okay, so, continue um, though. Yeah. So um, God cannot do contradictions, which is back to what you said. He cannot say, "Okay, I'll make a being that has free will and does not have free will." Well, I've just said gibberish. It's not a weakness on God's part. I've just said a thing that's nonsensical. So either He makes a being with the ability to love or not love, or He does not make such beings. Which which He's going to do? He chose to make beings. Um, that have free will, by definition, can choose to love him or choose not to. 
Fairberry Furniture is Central Illinois' premier furniture store. This family-owned business offers a vast selection of premium furniture items from all of your favorite brands, including Sealy, Best Home Furnishings, Leather Italia, Tempur-Pedic, and Ashley, just to name a few. And right next door to their gorgeous 7,000-square-foot furniture showroom, you will find the Fairberry Furniture Mattress Store, home to all of the latest and greatest mattresses in any and all sizes. Also inside Fairbury Furniture is the popular WC Market, a beloved shop that offers an ever-changing selection of unique gifts and fashionable home decor. So make your home interior beautiful, comfortable, stylish, and delightful when you shop at Fairbury's own Fairbury Furniture. Come on down to Fairbury Furniture, where the furniture rocks. It stinks that we have these little meaty brains that fit inside this tiny little skull that we have because we can't we can't fathom the realities that god has i i guess the laws that god created that truly govern the metaphysical and the physical newtonian world and everything we just can't understand it we can try our best to to come up with theories and hypotheses as to why god did this why god gave us free will and it's just ultimately impossible and i've talked to a priest who sat right where you were sitting not too long ago and you talk about the deadly sins and pride. I think sometimes scientists and even atheists have a little too much pride in thinking that the ability to understand every single facet of the universe and how it all works and even the metaphysical is within their realm of understanding. Like they can't understand it if they work hard enough. I like just, the way you worded it. Really? So this little human brain is the most powerful thing in the universe. There's nothing greater than the human brain. Really? Wow. I'm not going to believe in a world like that. Are you? <laughs> right. But that's, I guess, what an atheist would have to say. No, there is no greater intellect than the human brain. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. I, that sounds silly to me. It does sound yeah. silly. How do we determine the difference? Or whether or not someone is suffering from mental illness solely or also or exclusively suffering from diabolical oppression, possession, obsession, anything. How do we know if the devil's at play or if it's just a neurochemical phenomena? Yeah, we, you know, we, we don't know for sure. I'm, I'm presuming the devil is always bothering each one of us. That's a kind of interesting open question, too. We all have a guardian angel. We each have an, a, I think we forget that. I forget you know. that a lot. You know? Yeah, that's, oh, that's, yeah, that's pretty clear, you know, doctrine that we have guardian angel. There's a feast of the guardian angels. Um, but do we each have a devil bothering us? I think St. Thomas, no, don't quote me on that. I think he said he didn't think so, but who knows? Um, so whether we each have a specifically assigned devil or just random, you know, demon, however we want to word it, or just random demons going around, who knows? But anytime I'm talking to someone, yeah, I presume in some way, shape, or form, the demons are bothering this person in their life. So I would say that's always there. Um, With the mental health problems I come across, I generally presume that he's not maybe the initial cause of it, just same thing with the physical problems, but can he make those things worse? I presume so. And um, I presume he usually is, which is why I'm saying prayers for people all day at a hospital, you know, as a chaplain of a hospital and sprinkling holy water on them. Yeah, because I think the devil is probably making this worse, whether physically, emotionally, causing them fear, um, uh, anger, whatever ways he's making it, uh, making it worse, I presume he is. So I feel like I'm always trying to dodge that question um, that you ask about the mental health and demon possession. Do you want me to... Well, you know what? I'm going to ask you a follow-up question, yeah. though. What is maybe a litmus test you would use if you do arrive on the scene? You're like, all right, let's see if this... I've heard some people say that they'll... Some exorcists say that they would bring 
a canister that says holy water and it'd be real water maybe and just you know unblessed and they throw it on the person if it's if they like ah and they start freaking out it's like well you're faking it and then of course if they defy the laws of physics or something maybe that's a good sign that something beyond the physical world is at play but you tell me what's maybe a litmus test those are both uh the one is uh straight out of the movie but it is a, a okay way to okay thing to do um to uh, act as if you were sprinkling holy water and see if there's person is reacting um, and either like you said faking it but maybe uh, I generally presume I always presume when people on this topic that they're telling me the truth as they see it and believe it so um, so if I did that they might then react because they're believing that that's holy water and believing they're possessed and you know whatever mm-hmm. reacting to it um, so that's a little one but yeah I I have not seen anything outside the laws of nature yet. <laughs> yeah, um, right. I hope not to, but if I, that's what I would need to see before making that call to the bishop. And even there, there could be a little gray area. Um, it's good if I were ever to do an exorcism, I, I would really like to be present if possible, either a, 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 a doctor, you know, physician or a physician assistant or a nurse from who's been in the emergency room for some years, mm-hmm. because then you're not going to say, well, I had a really creepy feeling when, because that's something people will say, even some priests, I just felt really creepy. I think that was a demon, you know, emergency room. Uh, you get the alcohol and drug problems, people out of their minds with that. You get people yeah. out of their minds with mental health problems. Um, you get a, a horrible feeling when you see a suicide or something. So you're, I don't want to say used to it, but you do see those, and it's not going to be the first time you're seeing it. You know, I'd get a horror, if I had ever, whatever, went to a battlefield and saw that, I, that would freak me out. I've never seen that before. Um, so I think it's helpful to be in an emergency room so you're used to seeing those kind of things. Um, because, to give an example, one of the signs that there are three signs mentioned in the ritual, um, and the third one is, uh, depending on how we translate it, power outside of nature, a person's natural ability. Well, I've been there, as anyone in the ER or on the mental health floor. It's like now I'm picturing a, a young, whatever, 20-something uh, woman, um, not very big, four good-sized guys each holding down one arm and one leg until they could give her a shot to calm her down. It just it t- breaks your heart. Someone on like bath salts or something um, like that. I, I don't even know uh, if it was any drugs or anything just out of their mind for wh- either that reason or just whatever other reason at that moment. Um, so that breaks your heart. You don't want to jump to and say, well, that clearly that's outside the laws of nature. No, a person is amazing. Uh, uh, what they can do physically when they don't care about hurting themselves or others. Yeah. You hear the stories of mothers whose uh, babies were trapped in the car and the car flipped and it's on fire and they can flip the car because of adrenaline. You always wonder if that's a true story. All that happens, yeah. I've seen them interview the woman. But but yeah, we do know there's some, uh, yeah, some uh, great strength with, yeah, when that rush of adrenaline is called. So yeah, you don't want to jump to that. But on the other hand, I don't know, at some point you'd say, well, wait a minute, this physical thing just should not be happening. So that one for me is a little bit of a, uh, that one. I would say was the most difficult maybe of the three signs to sort out. Um, the first one, do I have the order right? The first one is about um, language. That might be um, that. So uh, a person uh, speaking or understanding a strange language, 
not meaning gibberish, meaning a language they should not understand. Got to be a little careful with that. Suppose mm-hmm. I start reading, uh, suppose they start blaspheming in Latin. Um, well, did they learn Latin in high school? I, you know, you might want to look sure. into that a little bit. If, like, I know a little Latin, so if I get bonked in the head and for some reason I speak Latin, don't be too quick, you know? <laughs> yeah, so you'd want to know a little bit about their background. The sign that might be the... Uh, and again, that can come out very clearly at some point if they don't know Latin and whatever. Um, just like the one physical things physically outside. I mean, I guess that levitation uh, from the movie, I guess that can that can happen. That you know, That's always been, like, yeah. to me, surely that's the biggest sign right someone levitates it's like all right i see uh, yeah that would be there i'd <laughs> i'd buy that yeah 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 that'd be very clear and not the, but the third sign so there's that one the physical things yeah some of those would be again if i if you know things flying around or whatever i'm mean, gonna either this place has got a, a devil or this person does but something's happening here outside the laws of nature as you said outside the laws of physics um the uh the language one can be one and the uh, other one is uh knowledge of hidden or distant events. Um, and that one could be very clear. If I just meet this person and they tell me things about my past that no one should know, okay, the, the, wow, the <laughs> devil the devil knew, demons saw it and threw it in my face right now. So that one would be very clear to me too. Uh, distant, what was it, uh, hidden or distant events. Uh, another one might be uh, for the distant events, the devil says something, you know, the person says something, and I find out later on, wow, what they said was happening wherever else Ten was, miles was happening right then, and there's no way they could have known that at that moment. So that's that's what I would want to see or hear something before I believe it's a full case of possession, something that's pretty undeniable. Mm-hmm. I've not been in the spot. I've seen, you know, th- th- just the same things anyone might see, something that made me feel creepy or this person was acting, whatever, and I'd need more than that to believe it's a case of full possession. Uh-huh. Yeah. Understood. You know, you know, part of me... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, it's, uh, something we'd mentioned earlier that made me think of that. Oh, yeah, you said that, like, the devil wanted to... What did he really want to do? Did he want to take over heaven? He's not that stupid to think he could be, outpower God, but he said, I want to be like God. Uh, so who knows what that sin of pride was? Maybe some would say, I think, wanting to be the source of his own happiness without God. But the devil does li- uh, likes to... I say like, who knows mocks he mocks those three signs are mockery of god um f- uh, physical things physically impossible whatever oh that would be like jesus walking on water or multiplying loaves or healing well the devil's not going to do good things but he he likes to mock so he does things that are impossible for human beings to do but he's a angels are more powerful than we are um the language thing you know of course we've got pen we just celebrated pentecost oh so there they were praising god in in the language of all these all these different languages of the visitors to jerusalem oh the devil is going to blaspheme god in a a language that Mm -hmm. this human being doesn't know but the devil knows and he's in possession we should maybe even define that he is got hold of their body, their soul, they're no longer controlling their body, so the devil's got control of the vocal cords too, and Uh blaspheming in another language. And then that third one about, oh, knowledge of distant and hidden events. Devil does not know the future, only God does, and those to whom God reveals it. Um, But he's a, a, I like to think of it, he's a great weatherman. You know, you had you had a great weather, best weatherman in the world. Wow, he's going to predict what time it's going to rain tomorrow. Devil can... um, the devil knows probably where I'm going after I leave here. Mm-hmm. And um, 
uh, probably knows who else is going to be in that place. So if I had gone to a palm reader or whatever person, <laughs> they might say, oh, you know what? The afternoon of if, if the devil was messing with them, they don't got, have any power, but if the devil was messing with them. He could give them this insight. Oh, he's going to meet John so-and-so at that place. Wow, it happened. This palm reader knew the future. No, they didn't. And even the devil didn't know the future. I could have gotten a flat tire and thrown off his plan, but he can make a really good prediction. So again, mocking God's prophets. You know, God reveals to his prophets. The devil, knowing knowledge of hidden and distant events, mocking, always mocking. Always mocking, yeah, yeah. even to the point where I'm going to freak myself out asking this, because, but like, you know, you hear about the 3 a.m. thing, mocking the Holy Trinity. Is that true? I, I, Tell me that's not true. <laughs> I don't. I almost feel like that could be a self-fulfilling thing. If people start to uh, think the devil is going to do it, maybe he'll do that yeah. just to mess with them. I, I. I don't know. It's funny how much of this stuff has come from movies. Um, yeah. And the, which, which I'm trying to think of that movie, uh, Poltergeist. I mean, I just thought it was The Conjuring, and it, uh, called Poltergeist. It's way oh, back in the '70s. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's um, also in the The Conjuring too, and a bunch of other movies. The okay. 3 a.m. thing, but yeah. oh, okay, yeah. And I don't even know if it was from that one. It might have been from others. Poltergeist had some funny things that like, that feel say, "Is it true the devil?" Like that was straight out of Poltergeist, and that was one of the early <laughs> demon possession or de- devil attack. I think he, I think it was a uh, haunted house movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, could the devil do that to mess with someone? I'm sure he could. Yeah, um, yeah I, don't, I don't know how common that is outside of movies. Oh man, there was something I was going to ask. What in the world was it? It was actually pretty interesting. Dog on it. Oh. Well, I might as well ask yeah. this question and see if it comes back to me. But mm-hmm. when it comes to exorcisms, casting demons out of people, um, is that something that only you as an ordained priest can do or can I do it? Can Father or can Pastor Mike down the street at Eastview Christian Church, can he do it? Or is that authority only given to Catholic priests? Um, to use the rite of exorcism, only a Catholic priest should use that just because that's what the church has said. Um, so, um, but I'll make, uh, make a comparison, maybe not a perfect one. Um, the anointing of the sick, um, which I do more than most priests unless they are also hospital chaplains, um, I would never say, well, no one else can um, whatever heal or, or a person as I might be able to do through anointing of the sick. That's not its only or, or even primary purpose. Um, but, um, but anyone can pray for that. I just believe that when I do it, it's more, when I do the anointing, it's more powerful than my prayer without doing the anointing if I'm doing it for the proper person, person seriously, you know, in a serious condition. So anyone can pray for deliverance from the devil and should. Um, so, and God will work as he wants. But um, so yeah, God can certainly, other people can certainly pray and God may well deliver the demon. Um, we know, we know that from certain saints um, who, you know, uh, Oh, didn't, uh, St. Hildegard uh, drive out demons to, you know, some of the women saints who certainly were not priests. Um, mm. So certainly the level of holiness has some power there too. Um, but it probably helps to be in persona Christi. Yeah. So uh, the way I would look at it is like, yeah, my prayers as your prayer, any prayers are good. But if I'm doing it with uh, the right of exorcism, wow, that's a lot stronger than, again, just like a lot stronger than just the Mike Driscoll praying for the devil to get out. This is, this is the whole church here. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, 
part of me, we talked about defining the laws of physics in an exorcism, and that's a pretty darn good sign when someone levitates, for instance. Part of me wants to have staunch atheists be present for those things, for those crazy major exorcisms. Is that a bad idea? You know, because then they could see someone float and they could be like, wow, apparently the laws of physics do not apply here. Therefore, something outside of these laws that govern the entire universe must exist. Something metaphysical. That's always been my yeah, secret. That's, that would be interesting. I don't know if you'd necessarily want them there, though, because usually you just oh, would want true. a few people there. For the sake um, of the person being the exercised. Yeah, but but I've thought about that with having a physician there. Um, um you know, maybe I wouldn't be too concerned about his uh, what his faith background is. I just want him to be there to kind of witness the help with. There's something you need a physician. Um, yeah, that's that's an, no. I've, I've wondered that too. That'd be interesting. I have a I, uh, I have the thought that um, they would write it off as well. I don't know, but it's not that some, but some you might get a conversion. Um, there's I don't know the name. But there's a psychiatrist out there um, who, I think, basically converted. I don't from know, Columbia Catholic University, or, I believe. What, Richardson, I can't remember. Sounds familiar. Some, yeah, but okay, that's kind of a well-known case, and he's written a book or two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I bet you'd get the range of people. Those would say, well, something I don't understand, but it's not that, and some who would convert. I, I bet. Yeah. Well, sometimes I remember reading about this guy from the psychiatrist from Columbia University who would who was a massive you know atheist or skeptic at least, yeah, and he I'm would kind of accompany of. this guy at the exorcisms. And he said like he started having phone calls get interrupted by a third voice that would like kind of torment him a little bit. And then he would see these incredible things happen in the exorcism, and he would just eventually even his reasoning and his knowledge weren't enough to write them off as purely physical, normal, neurochemical phenomena. I, I wonder if that's why um, demon possession is so rare, because the devil does not want to make too many... Believe, con- yeah, else yeah. it's counterproductive, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. And, and, yeah. And it's got to be so rare, because uh, I presume the majority of the people, you and I sitting here and most listening to this, would say, no, I've never seen anything that was rock solid outside the laws of nature that seemed to be demonic, as opposed to a, a good thing, you know, a miracle from God. Right. Now, could a Catholic in good standing, are they still at risk? Could it happen to me? Type of a thing. Yeah, the, um, and you'll get some... Apologies to anyone who hears that motorcycle revving outside. Oh, <laughs> We're good. I think there's some Christians who say, nope, once you are uh, whatever, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That kind of once saved, always saved thing. I think some of them would also say um, that they cannot possibly be possessed by a demon. I think it comes from our belief, though, that, well, no, I could do the wrong things even after being... Now, whether you could be possessed while you're in, in the state of grace, um, that I think we talked a little bit about that, right? That there's just some disagreement there of who the, can the devil possess a child who's not even... who's baptized and not reached the age of reason. Uh, can the devil possess a fully possessed person who's not in a state of mortal sin and is not messing with any of those things? It seems like if it does happen, it's even more rare... But you almost don't want to say it's absolutely impossible just because of, for example, that when Jesus drove the demon from that, uh, the child, or from the, yeah, the child in the gospel, the man said it's been happening since childhood. Is it, uh, is it heresy for me to suggest that maybe there might have been details in that story that just weren't? covered in the Bible? Oh, I'm sure there certainly were. You know, it doesn't give us much detail at all. 
including the age. You know, mm-hmm. I'm wondering how old, how old, what, what child does he mean? His 18 year old child? You yeah. know, uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. There, not every detail covered. That's that one with the Gerasene demoniac certainly has the most detail of Jesus' exorcisms. Mm-hmm. And okay. Jesus, I mean, some of those may not have shown signs of possession that we're talking about here outside the laws of nature. Jesus knows. You know, we have to go by these signs. Jesus knows what the devil is doing when and where and, and all that. We, we're, we've got to do the best we can with our limited you know, ability. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, we've talked about the different gateways into being possessed or oppressed and all the rest that rhymed. But uh, <laughs> one thing I want to ask about, you know, I said Ouija boards, music, pornography. What about books, though? Specifically... I want to say Harry Potter. Look, I mean, you know Father Archer very well. He's an, I hate to call him out, I probably shouldn't, but (laughs) he loves Harry Potter. I can enjoy the movies, I've never read the books, but some, even many exorcists, and I've done my research on it, say that it's insanely dangerous. The names of uh, many of the characters are real demon names is what I've heard. Uh, The spells are real is what I've heard from some, you know, people on the internet, some exorcists even. Uh, J.K. Rowling attended a witch school for a time and demons inspired her to write those books. But what does Father Driscoll say about all this? (laughs) All right, you're going to get the final word on this now. And I I don't see it as as that dangerous for most people. I think so much has to do with a person's intention. Hey, I'd like to read these Harry Potter books and let's see what I can learn about witchcraft. No, that's not a good idea. And in fact, if that's your thought, then don't read them at all. Or if a person's even whatever struggles in their life that they that wasn't their intention, but then they read them and then got interested in witchcraft, could that happen? Sure. Is that very bad? Yes. So there may certainly be people who should not be reading those books. Having said that, how many haven't those sold millions, tens of millions of copies, just some crazy amount? The vast majority of those people, I presume, were never decided then to start getting involved in witchcraft. Um, I don't know, just making up a, a comparison on the top of my head. Lots of people can drink some alcohol and, in their life and no bad effect whatsoever. And for certain people, it destroys their life. So I would maybe put it with that. I wouldn't put it inherently. Um, gosh, because then you get to, uh, should I not have listened to Charlie Daniels' song, Devil Went Down to Georgia, because he's talking about a devil. Well, I... You know, there's story, uh, Irish folklore, which I like to read. Driscoll is an Irish name. Uh, mom's, I'm half Italian from mom. Um, Irish folklore, they don't bat an eye about putting a priest and a leprechaun in the same folktale. You know, they, they and well, you're believing in fairies. No, I'm reading an Irish folktale. Um, yes, if I was someone who's going to start believing in some of those fairies, well, that would not be a good thing. And Ireland has gone back to paganism. Um, but um, but I'm not sure the folk tales had much to do with that. So I no don't believe in in the, the, the witches and stuff. Real spells that I find that a very odd phrase. I hear that too. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't believe any spells are real. The devil can mess with a witch. A, a, a witch could say abracadabra, and if the devil wants to mess with them, <laughs> right, right, could, right. So it's so not I, the power of the words and the spell itself, but if you're saying it with a certain intention, the devil could play along. What's a Ouija board made of? Well, I think it's paper and then that plastic thing and cardboard or whatever. 
well, those things aren't dangerous. Oh, you're going to use those things and try and communicate to a spirit? Well, you're not going to get God or uh, an angel or saint. So an, an evil spirit, would they stoop to messing with that? Sure, why not? If they can you know, corrupt your soul, why not? Yeah, so if, mm-hmm. yeah. I had, the, uh, because I, I'm runner for many years and had the question about yoga and some would also say yo evil 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 first i couldn't help i can't help wondering it'd be interesting to talk to some uh, someone from in uh, a real guru of yoga a real hindu from india who's really up on it and i wonder if our americanized version has anything to do with theirs having said that suppose as a runner i do some stretches and one of them happened to come from yoga is it dangerous for me to do i had some uh actually it was actually a priest saying well yes if you found that out then you shouldn't do that if you found out later that was from yoga no i'm stretching i another exorcist said let's Define what are you talking about yoga? You're talking about stretching and deep breathing? Well, go ahead. Talk about chanting the name of a false god? Don't do that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. So what or, or someone maybe the middle area there, which is unfortunate. Someone told me once they went to a park district, you know, yoga thing. Um, just, you know, for that, exercise, whatever. And then the person started introducing, Well, here's the book I encourage you to inspire and start talking about the spiritual stuff. Okay. Oh yeah, quit you start going. getting woo-woo about it. Quit going. Incorporating the spirit. Yeah. yeah. I, I knew a guy once visiting my church and started having a conversation. Oh, what do you do? And he taught uh, martial arts somewhere in another state he was visiting. Oh, cool. You know, what, whatever, uh, Taekwondo or something. I said, so tell me, I brought that up. What the spiritual, is there any problem? He kind of rolled his eyes. It's someone comes to me and starts wanting spiritual. I say, go to church. I'm here to teach a, a, a sport, you know, yeah, Taekwondo. Striking and Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Now maybe it uh, uh, first came from a monastery, wherever. So I, I don't know anything about, I'm teaching, <laughs> yes, I'm teaching a sport. You want spirituality? No. You go to church. So I think we can treat those things that way. Read Harry Potter, put it on the shelf afterwards, and don't start trying to do spells. You know? mm-hmm. um, but if someone's disturbed already, there are lots of things they shouldn't read or things, movies they shouldn't watch and things if they're disturbed in some way. Yeah, but if you maybe have a sound theological upbringing and a good understanding of what's real, what's good, and you know maybe it's not such a risk. But technically speaking, just like taking a sip of alcohol, you would run the risk of becoming an alcoholic. Just the same. Uh, if you're responsible, it's less likely. Just the same with Harry Potter. It's less likely if you come from a sound theological upbringing that you wouldn't be tempted to. I think try that's to... a great explanation because we, the world is full of dangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess Harry Potter bothers me less than. than some, just back to that. What's being pushed now, like Disney and what they're pushing, and they say they're trying to what they're trying to teach children to grow up as, and I don't even want to get into the, you know what I'm talking about here, mm-hmm. sexualizing children. That's, again, that's right in our face all the time they're putting that out there. I think that's worse than uh, some gobbledygook made-up spell of a fantasy book. Uh-huh. It's very strange, honestly, like walking around, I go to these coffee shops and I see, in a way, how certain deadly sins are more or less championed, in a way, and just in society on social media, it's like multiple sexual partners. You're, you're satisfying your lustful desires and you're encouraging that. It's like that's a deadly sin for a reason because it can lead to the demise of your soul and, and your well-being. It's it's just so crazy to me. What month are we in now? I know, yeah. Pride, Pride month. Pride month. You see the – and then it's also, draw, Really? You're going you're gonna to use that as your term? That's yeah. the sin of the devil? Uh, 
uh, wow. I mean, I, I wish some of this stuff was more subtle and hidden and conspiratorial. It's all right out in front of us. I get tired of seeing it. And then it. it's also, in a way, mocking. Like you said, I never thought of it till just now, but like in the Old, or not the Old Testament, but, well, I guess the Old Testament, sorry. <laughs> but God shows Noah a rainbow, yeah. correct? Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a sign of God's love and a sign of this, that, and the other. But now it's the rainbow. The beautiful rainbow is a sign of sexuality in all ways but how God yeah, intended it. Chastity. Isn't it's that like interesting? Of chastity. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's horrible. Yeah. You know, if you want me to mention something else from the ritual, something we, I thought of as we were talking a couple minutes ago about um, openings, maybe openings to possession. There is, is that okay for me to... Yes, absolutely. Back at the ritual. Um, the... Uh, uh, the exorcist uh, should command the devil to tell whether he's detained in that body. English, one English translation, by necromancy, evil signs, or amulets. Um, a more, uh, st- another translation into English would say, communicating with spirits, evil rituals, or evil instruments. Bottom line is mockery. Um, th- those things can be openings. And this is according to the ritual, so this we want to say definitely, oh, those, yeah, Oh. The exorcist is, is commanding the devil to tell if it happens, if it's one of these things. Define but, necromancy for people that don't know. Yeah, yeah so uh, we could say, um, um, I, I think I have the Latins here too, but basically we'd say some kind of communication with spirits, to put, to put it, but I think they usually mean communication with the dead, but if we just said com- like a Ouija board, I guess someone's using that to communicate with whatever spirit. So that's, that's specifically listed as some kind of communication with spirits. Is that how you entered? He's, you're, you know, he's commanding the, the devil to, to tell. Um, the second, so that's, that's a mockery of prayer. We already know how to talk to spirits. We pray to God, we talk to the angels and saints. We already know. So this is someone, did you get in because this person did some kind of communication with spirits, necromancy, some evil type, a mockery of prayer. The second one, um, uh, evil signs, another translation of that would be um, evil rituals, um, mockery of the sacraments, you know, doing some kind of a ritual that's a mockery of the sacraments, some kind of a satanic witch, whatever kind of ritual. Third one, evil instruments. And that's, uh, well, if you want to see a kind of disgusting thing, um, uh, so I'd have to look for where that it tell, tells oh, him to. Uh, yeah, please uh, do. Uh, yeah. It's about vomiting them out, you know, about vomiting out the, uh, uh, if you swallowed some kind of an evil instrument, a mockery of a, of a sacramental, um, you know, like a, instead of a metal, you know, a cross, some small thing. Uh, they must be talking about something small if the person has swallowed it. Um, but some, I'd have to find that about something about vomiting them out, forcing them to, you know, vomit them out, and then you burn those things if you have them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see the mockery of the devil again. We pray, we do rituals, we have we have little thing. Oh, the devil's going to communicate. You know, in other ways than prayer, he's going to have people maybe get possess a person if they are doing some kind of a ritual they shouldn't be doing, satanic or witch or whatever. Um, maybe some kind of a thing they've put trust in um, that uh, is going to be an opening for the devil. So a few are po- are listed as possibilities there, mm-hmm. and all are mockery again. Very interesting. Well, Father, we're getting towards the end of this whole darn thing, and I just want to ask you a couple wrap up questions here. But first of all. When you were an active exorcist, and uh, maybe if you get reappointed even, how do you want people to 
to look at you and think of you. You know, most people are freaked out by an exorcist. Uh, but what do you want people to, how do you want them to approach you maybe and think of you? Um, and again, I didn't do, and so I was an exorcist in the sense that I had the appointment in May again, but I didn't actually do one. Um, yeah, so I want people to think of it as, an, it's good for Catholics to know, oh, the bishop has appointed him to this. His bishop has appointed him as a pastor of such and such parish or appointed this priest to be chaplain of such and such high school. Oh, he's appointed this priest to do this ministry too. So bishop thought for whatever reason this priest would be a good one for this. In my case, um, came from a... Uh, Bishop Jenke said, oh, I read your book, Michael, very good. And then he had, then he called me and said, I want to appoint you to be exorcist. Okay, so for me, it came from a counseling background and then from that dissertation. And um, so I want people to look at it that way. This is an appointment by a bishop appointing this priest to, this, to do this. But they shouldn't be up. scared of you or anything. <laughs> no, someone asked something just recently, a phone call. Um, person was not Catholic and some things in their house bothering them. And um, so, do you have a power to be able to know what's going on? I said, no, I don't. You know, he felt badly because he was, it was very, very disturbed about what was going on there. I didn't see anything when I blessed it, but um, very disturbed. Um, but wondered if that was part of it. And I said, no, no, that's not part of it. I, bishop has appointed me to do this. And then I do explain, but I do have, I'm an ordained priest. And if the bishop appoints me, I've got the authority of the church if I'm to do an, doing an exorcism. So you don't have Mike Driscoll taken on Lucifer because he's going to lose. Oh, the Catholic Church with Jesus Christ at his head taken on. Okay, they're going to win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you get phone calls like that often? Do you get people coming to you concerned about maybe the devils at work in their lives, in their home, uh, in a loved one? Um, uh, like in the space of a month, yeah, I'll get a number of calls, partly from the appointment I had as exorcist, so being referred from the uh, the diocese where it's getting a call or another priest, they might certainly talk to them first. I certainly hope all priests would you know share as much as they can, but if a person wants more, if they have a question, um, they can call me, just as like I like to call other priests too with questions on this topic. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, and then also because of my book being out there, I was already getting calls like that because people would see that and ask me questions. Mm-hmm. And then I get a number of calls because I've got a counseling background. You know, priests have their different strong points, and they're going to have people, you know. Another priest who was named exorcist because he did his uh, uh, a canon law dissertation on the history of the exorcism ritual. Very fascinating, if you like that kind of you know dry history, but very uh-huh. neat. So his bishop ended up appointing him exorcist because he had such a familiarity with it. So you know different. And one priest said, "I don't know why." He just called me one day and said, "I want you to be the exorcist." So, right. Um, but yeah, any priest can be appointed to it. And uh, that's that's the pe- way people should look at it. This is an appointment by a bishop. He's functioning as the church. Um, yeah. You know, something that randomly just popped into my head when I looked down at my notes because I had circled pride for a different reason. But it's crazy. He said Pride Month. That's a deadly sin in itself. And oh, we're calling oh, the whole month Pride. And it just keeps stacking the on whole top movement. of each other. The rainbow, the, uh, the sexuality, again, uh, the, uh, the, the sexuality in ways, every single way except the traditional way that God intended, and then yeah. calling it a deadly sin. It's very, very interesting. You really got me thinking. You know, if I have a last thought, which I could do 20 of those probably. Right. But, um, the, um, yeah, let's see. On the, when we look at what is the devil trying to accomplish, he's just doing what he does. We can look at human beings a little bit that way sometimes uh, when it comes to those who want power. Uh, you know, we some, isn't that a phrase out there, uh, drunk with power? A person who's an alcoholic, what are, what are they hoping to accomplish by getting drunk? Well, 
that are not accomplishing anything. That has unfortunately become their end goal to be getting drunk. What about, so I'm again, opposite of a conspiracy theory person. Well, they want power to do accomplish People who are drunk with power, who are gone, who have gone down that bad path, want power for its own sake to exercise power, and that gets back to the devil. Well, didn't he know he was going to be miserable? Yeah, I think he really did. Why? Be, why do it then? He would rather be able to exercise power. I am independent of God, even though horribly miserable forever, rather than saying no. I. I'm submitting to his will and being happy. He wanted, but that's insane. That's stupid. One of the saints said, there's no explaining the fury of the devil. He just chose power over happiness and submission to God. Human beings can go down that path too. Fascinating. And I just want to wrap up with this. And I know you're obviously not a businessman. You're not trying to get maximum amount of people reaching out to you, but just because people might want to know. And I've had people even say they had this and that go on. They don't know what to do. And then they turn to mediums. And I'm like, well, that's probably the worst thing you could do is turn to a medium. God forbid they tell you something that, you know, oh, it was my mother. My dead mother actually said this to me. It's like, well, I guarantee you, your dead mother's not talking to you through this person. That's not how it works. I know. But uh, the evil one could absolutely. That's what I say to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it wouldn't be hard for the devil to guess what your mom might say. Just like you were saying, it all makes sense. It's really kind of beautiful in some strange way, the information and the accuracy. But how could people reach out to you or what should they do rather first and foremost if they are experiencing what they believe to be demonic or diabolical activity oh t- talk to their talk to their pastor go, be, go make sure they're going to mass and receiving sacraments um and taking prayer time and avoiding occasions of sin, avoiding sin. Um, if they're not Catholic, a um, significant part of the rite of exorcism, most of it is actually uh, reading Psalms and Gospels. So if you're not Catholic, obviously welcome to become Catholic, but keep up your scripture reading, as Catholics should too. Um, so, and and talk, to, talk to your pastor, you know, um, and then if he has a question, he might call me or someone else, consult with another one of his brother priests, something like that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, this morning, my dad sent me an article last night, and this morning I went to a confession, actually. I've heard that as the confession lines get shorter, demonic activity goes up in the world. Is that true? I would I would presume so. And if not, yeah, demonic activity, if not full possession, certainly other bad things, and we see that. Yeah, and that's... Um, one of the things a priest is told to do before doing a, an exorcism, pray, fast, go to confession. A lot of things in the rite of exorcism, uh, at least a few things I should say, are good advice for like that. Oh, do that. The rite says that um, priests should have holy water and a, cross, a crucifix. But, oh, you worried about the devil or you think you've got some activity? Do those things. The rite of exorcism says do those. The only thing you shouldn't do is the exorcisms themselves, but do these other things. It even says... The exorcist should repeatedly pray the creed, the Our Father, and the Hail Mary. Oh, sounds like the rosary. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> the so, rosary, yeah. yeah. So it tells him to repeatedly say those prayers during the ritual. So that's our, that's our deliverance manual, if, you want to put it, if I want to put it that way. Do the parts of the rite of exorcism that we can all do. Prayer and fasting, confession, holy water and crucifix, Creed, our Father, and Hail Mary, you know, rosary. rosary. Yeah, do all those things. Is it true that the devil hates, sorry to keep going on here, yeah. I said I was going to wrap it up. Is it true that the devil really hates Mary almost more than any other human to ever live? Remember uh, one exorcist, uh, just the way he said it, he said, he hates her. He hates her. This priest, this exorcist repeated it. Um, some, some speculate, you know, that the sin of the devil might have, his pride might have been knowing that God was going to become a human being. 
um, that he was going to refuse to worship a human being, and that part of that was that hatred of and and in this you you are going to come be God the Son, and you are going to be in this creature. This and woman, I have to worship this, you, and this in this woman, yeah, they just his share would share his hatred for God. He would share that with his hatred for the Blessed Virgin, and the flip side of that is how, would be how powerful uh, she is. Uh huh. Yeah. And it's like she's the new Eve, right? The Eve that didn't commit any sin at all, and it's just I don't know. Yeah, you yeah, get so really much, deep. Uh, yeah, that or in the. Uh, Book of Revelation, what, yeah, definitely the New Eve, the tabernacle. You know, when it says, "I got Mary's the living tabernacle." You know, they had the tabernacle of the old covenant. Mary's the tabernacle of the new covenant. All those great titles of the Blessed Virgin from the litany of the Blessed Virgin. Right. Okay. And the last question here, the very last question, I promise you, for people that have, uh, you know, when they're feeling like maybe evil's lurking around them, when they go to sleep tonight, maybe, uh, maybe even the case for me, if I'm in my bed at night, I'm like, boy, I feel kind of creepy right now. Like it feels like something's around and how much of that can be placebo, an awful lot for sure. But what should we do in those moments when we feel just a little bit scared and maybe like the evil ones around or something? Oh, get go to sleep saying a prayer is, you know, a sign of the cross and holy water before you go to bed. And then when you get up in the morning, it's good to do that. And that you don't have to, but those are certainly good things to do. And go, go to sleep with prayer in your mind and heart. Uh-huh. Think of something else other than uh, whatever you're afraid of. How many times did Jesus say, do not fear? That's one of the worst things that came out of this last two years, isn't it? People telling, people with power saying, you should be afraid. You should be afraid. No, you shouldn't. Um, you know, take reasonable precautions, ver- exercise the virtue of prudence, and there can be disagreement on that. But no, you shouldn't be afraid. Uh, other than, uh, what did Jesus say? Fear the one who can cast body and soul into Gehenna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, be still and know that I am God. And yeah. if God is, you know, making sure that all the birds, they don't even have a barn to go in, all they're fed, and you're so much more important than the birds. I've, what is that, Matthew? I don't know. Yeah, I just read yeah, the other day. Know, how many, yeah, how many You'll times okay. did Jesus say, do not fear? Yeah. Have peace. Yep, yeah. Yep. Well, Father Mike Driscoll, it's truly been an honor. We talked accidentally for about an hour and a half, so oh, wow. I better okay. let you get out of here. Great, but, great to talk to you. That went by yes. quickly. Right. Yes, it absolutely did. Thank you so much Thanks for coming much. on. Thanks very much. Look forward to next time. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Would it be a terrible idea if we said a quick prayer to wrap this thing up? Absolutely. We can say it with St. Michael the Archangel. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Blessed Virgin Mary, pray for us. us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray Pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father, Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. All right, and boom, that is a wrap. Father Mike Driscoll, thank you so much. And to everyone who's watching and listening to the Paul Garcia Show, God bless and have a great week, and thank you so much for watching. Be sure to like and share this video. Leave a comment. What do you think about all this? Let me know. That's a wrap. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks very much.